morning and welcome everyone to this webinar and congratulations, you are the finance director. Now what? Uh, this is a great opportunity to learn about what's involved in becoming a finance director, how to handle the challenges of that, how to position yourself to be effective as a new finance director, and what are some of the things that would be important for you to think about and to prepare. Uh, so this is a special service that's provided by CSMFO, and we've been doing the coaching program for the last 21 years as a member benefit through the Career Development Committee, chaired by Laura Nomura and about a dozen volunteers that seek to identify topics like this and presenters such as today's presenters uh, to be helping you in, in all aspects of your career and the profession. So we're delighted that so many of you have joined us and we seek to make this as useful for you as possible. We're gonna be highlighting the, you know, what are the biggest challenges in taking on this role? Uh, how can you communicate effectively with other departments? How do you reposition yourself from maybe more of a doer to a leader in the role? And what are some action plans to help you get through some of the initial hurdles of you know, getting your first budget done and other things that are critical along those lines? We're delighted to have a, a superb panel today. Uh, Jamie Vascarino is the finance director and treasurer in the city of Thousand Oaks. Uh, she's been there and been in local government finance for 15 years. Um, and she is very active in CSMFO and GFOA. You'll probably see her at uh, GFOA if you're going there this weekend. Um, and she has a great story to share with us because she has a story of how, if you've been a long time uh, employee in an organization, coming up through the ranks, how do you get perceived and, uh, and how do you position yourself to take on a new role, many times with people who were your peers? or you might have even been a subordinate to them over some point in your career. Uh, so uh, a challenging set of issues there, an important set of insights from her about that and other dimensions uh, of this transition. We're gonna move then to uh, Dustin Clausen. Um, he has an interesting set of experiences in the nonprofit world, as well as as an auditor in government accounting. Uh, and then since 2014 as deputy director and now as director of finance in Hayward. So he's going to talk about, you know, what in particular are some of the things about how to make this work for you with your distinctive um, skill set and background uh, so that this can uh, work for you and, and you can work for your agency effectively. There's not just one size that fits all. And uh, Robert Hamoud, who is the finance director in, in Snoqualmie, uh, Washington, is going to be talking with you about his experience in, in finding the right fit. Um, and making sure that the fit is right and how to do that. And then also what are some critical things that he's learned from his experience um, in putting budgets together, dealing with challenges, emergencies, and other things that have come along and how to be prepared to do that effectively. So that's our basic game plan and we're so thankful for their uh, participation today. So our, we have a series of polling questions. Our first polling question, we always like to know how many are there at, at your location. That helps us know our total audience, but also, uh, we find it very helpful for people to learn together. And if you're learning with others, uh, that'll be particularly useful. This might be a more personal topic for some of you. So you might be coming in on your own. Uh, that's okay, we're delighted to have all of you. And we do wanna welcome the folks from Oregon and Washington. I noticed in the registrations that there were quite a few people and uh, registered from those locations. Uh, that's outstanding. Um, we're delighted to have you and uh, look forward to uh, your participation in this webinar. We do not have the facility at the present time uh, in the arrangements with Oregon and Washington uh, for you if you're outside of California to earn CPE credits. So if you have a question about that, please contact 
your state association in Oregon or in Washington. And again, the materials from this session and from all of our sessions are available in the Agenda and Archives tab at csmfo.org slash training slash webinars. So we'll take a look um, at our results here. And we see that most of you are here on your own, uh, making your own inquiry into what is it like uh, to be a finance director. And we're thankful so, that so many of you have joined us today. So with that, I'm going to turn the controls over to uh, Jamie. Jamie, here you go. Get you set up with your first slide. And welcome. Well, thank you, Don. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jamie Boscarino, and I'm the Finance Director for the City of Thousand Oaks. I'm pleased to be here today to share a little bit about my experience transitioning, as Don mentioned, from a Deputy Finance Director within this organization to the Finance Director. So just a little brief background on me and my work experience. I actually got my start in local government all the way back in 2005 while I was attending Cal Poly University San Luis Obispo as a freshman undergrad. I knew I wanted to be an accountant and I thought that meant working for you know a big CPA firm. But when I saw a job posting at Cal Poly for a local government intern at the city of Grover Beach, I was really interested and excited in that opportunity. Now, I'm not gonna lie, part of it, you know, being an 18 year old was I wouldn't have to work nights and weekends, but I really loved to enjoy my experience there in the city of Thousand Oaks, and that really got me interested in a career in local government. I was extremely excited and a little bit relieved uh, to receive a job opportunity at the city of Thousand Oaks out of college as a payroll accountant. I don't know in retrospect what they were thinking because I didn't have any experience doing payroll, but was so grateful for the opportunity that the finance director at the time gave me and willing to take a chance on me. I worked my way up through the organization here in Thousand Oaks over the years, holding a variety of different roles, most recently as the deputy finance director since 2013. Back in September, our finance director decided to move on to another opportunity, and at that point, I was made interim finance director. I then was officially promoted in December to the finance director position. And my experience in many different roles here in Thousand Oaks really helped prepare me to have a well-rounded knowledge and served as that foundation for being the city's finance director. So just a little bit of information about the city of Thousand Oaks. We're a council manager form of government, which is pretty common here in California. So our city manager essentially acts as the CEO of the city with the city council members as his boss. We don't have an elected mayor, treasurer, or city clerk, which you might see in some cities. I act as the city's treasurer and city council annually appoints me to that hold that role. We're a mid-sized city with a population of just under 130,000, which makes us the second largest city in the county. Geographically, the city covers about 56 square miles, so we're pretty large in size, and that presents some unique challenges to us, especially in the form of transit. The city has had a long history of strong financial management and long-term strategic planning, which has really helped secure the financial stability of the organization. We're not full service. We contract for our police services, 
There's a fire district that provides fire services. Uh, there's a park and rec district that provides our park and rec services. But I would say we are a little unique in other cities because we have two theaters that we have here at City Hall that we operate. We also have two libraries that we operate. We have a municipal golf course, an equestrian facility that we have operators manage for us, but we do own those facilities. And we also have an open space agency called COSCA that we staff in conjunction with our Parks and Rec District, and it's operated through a JPA. We also have Two Arts, which is a nonprofit foundation that fundraises and does programming for our theaters here. So our accounting staff is preparing financial statements and tax returns for these various entities, as well as doing finances for the city of Thousand Oaks. So I'll just share a little bit about my experience from a different perspective, as I spent my whole career with the same city and promoted to the finance director role. I don't have the added challenge or need to get to know the culture of this organization or the department. I already know the staff, I know my boss, I know my director peers, I know the city council. So I'm really having to navigate this transition from a deputy director to a director role internally. I'm doing this without the help of the support of a deputy director, so I'm essentially doing two jobs right now, which leads to my first point about what to expect, meetings. Now, as a deputy director, I thought I had a lot of meetings. But then I became the director, and now I really understand what it means to have a lot of meetings. The running joke with my staff is that they never see me because I'm always in meetings. I actually had to block time on my calendar to prepare for this presentation, so I would actually have time to prepare. Because of doing two jobs at once, be prepared to work longer hours. I've always put in extra time above my 40 hours a week, but during this transition, there have been many late nights, many weekends, working from home. I've even resorted to bringing my two-year-old in with me on my Friday off to the office so I could get some work done. It doesn't help that we're in the middle of our biennial budget and union negotiations. Um, I also bring up personnel issues because as the deputy director, even though I was directly responsible for managing 10 people, I thankfully never had to be involved in any disciplinary meetings. Now that I am the director, I'm in charge of recommending discipline to HR and delivering news to the employee. I just had to go through this in the last couple of weeks for the first time. And so if you haven't had to do this before, I highly suggest talking to HR and getting an understanding for what this process might mean. Also as a deputy, I was somewhat, somewhat insulated from city council and the press. I certainly knew them, they knew me, but I rarely had to answer any of their questions as a deputy as the director handled most of that information. Now they have my cell phone number, they'll call me directly, they're emailing me, they're asking me questions. So that's another change that I've had to navigate. And I think um, a key point I'd also like to make is to expect the unexpected. So within my first two months on the job, um, my coworkers and the residents here, and we never expected what happened in Thousand Oaks to happen in the space of less than 24 hours. There is, a, of course, a senseless mass 
shooting, and then literally 15 hours later, the Hill and Woolsey fire started. I spent the initial day at the Family Reunification Center working on establishing a fund in partnership with the Ventura County Community Foundation that all donations would be funneled into to provide support for the victims' families. Never done that before, never created a nonprofit fund that donations could go into, had no idea what I was doing, was really just taking it step by step, um, trying to figure out, working with them, what the right steps were to do. Uh, that la Later that afternoon, as we were planning the vigil for the victims, uh, a fire started, the Hill Fire, surrounded our Hill Canyon wastewater treatment plant. Our staff had to shelter in place. They were not able to evacuate. Thankfully, everybody was okay. But we now had to open up our EOC. So we were handling two tragic events at the same time. Ended up going home around 9 p.m. that night, only to be called back into the office at 2 a.m. into, oh, sorry, into our EOC. My light went up. I don't move around enough. Into our EOC because the Woolsey fire had now reached city limits. We ended up evacuating two-thirds of our entire population in the city. The fire came so close to City Hall that I literally had to put staff up on the roof of City Hall to do fire watch to make sure no embers hit City Hall. We lost about 40 homes in city limits. And I just bring this up because I really had to be effective. I had to make decisions quickly, think on my feet and just figure things out with no training and doing it all on very little to no sleep. So things are gonna come your way as a director that you never anticipated. Think on your feet, be firm in your decision-making. Jamie, let's just uh, follow up on that for a moment because obviously huge challenges that you face and you, for example, that whole issue of, of creating you know, a fund for the victims and that sort of thing. You've never done it before. What did you find as some of the resources that were helpful? Did you reach out to other finance directors? Did you get the city attorney involved? Tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you gathered the resources to, to take on a task you've never taken on before and to, you know, do it successfully. Oh, certainly worked with our city attorney's office. And the partner that I had at the foundation, the director there was so amazing. She was able to reach out to other cities in the country that had dealt with that before, was able to find you know what worked for them, what were the mistakes they made that so that we didn't make those same mistakes. So it was really relying on those other partners throughout that process. Okay, and other than adrenaline, how did you keep yourself going through uh, those back-to-back? -back A lot tragedies? of caffeine. <laughs> really, yeah, you must you're have a on very adrenaline. supportive home environment if you've got a two-year-old running around. Uh, and a five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I have a supportive husband who can, you know, help out with the kids when I'm spending a lot of time here. All right. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So, my next slide on effective communication. Although I've been a long-time employee here in Thousand Oaks, and I had already established many relationships with staff throughout the organization, it's still important to work in that area to further your relationships. I meet regularly with both the city manager and the assistant city manager. These are calendared meetings. I am able to share items that I'm working on, strategize issues I'm dealing with with them. And it's just a chance one-on-one -on -one where we can strategize and just have that open discussion. 
As I mentioned, I already knew City Council, but now that I'm working with them more closely, it's really important to strengthen and develop those relationships so that they can fully trust you as a leader of the financial operations of the city. They have to trust that you're making prudent financial decisions. So you have conversations with them on a regular basis where you can really demonstrate your knowledge, and that goes a long way to building that trust. The same goes for the press, since you'll be responding to their inquiries more frequently. I'm not going to lunch or anything with them. But when I do see them out in public or at City Hall, I make a point of saying hi and having small talk with them. Communication, of course, is especially important with your own staff. Thankfully, we've had a longstanding culture in the department of open communication. But being in so many meetings now and being pulled in so many different directions, I try and make that face-to-face -face time with them as much as I can. Because if you think about it, they play a huge role in the success that you have as a director. I would not be successful without my staff, so make sure that you make that time to invest in them. Some of the things we do annually on the communication front, we send an annual department-wide survey to staff, asking them for feedback on how management is doing. Um, weekly emails to the department, just letting them know what's going on in the department or in the city that week, and really just taking a few minutes and as you're walking through the department, you know, say hi to your staff, engage in some small talk, how was their weekend, how's their family doing. Team building is key. We hold an off-site goal-setting meeting every year, and that just gives us an opportunity to come together outside of a work environment and team build and have fun with one another. You know, get outside of doing the day-to-day -day work and really building that relationship with staff. Hold one-on-one -on -one meetings with your managers at least monthly so that you can get an update on what they're working on and have a chance to discuss any issues that are going on. And establish expectations with staff. We call them here work plans. They may be called something else at your city, but it's really just establishing written work plans for staff with expectations so they know what they're responsible on working for during the year. And um, in language and performance, how they are achieving those goals. So one of the questions that comes up along the way, uh, especially in a situation like yours, Jamie, is you know, you've been there 15 years. Um, you know, people. Some people may think of you back as that payroll clerk. Um, and how did you? And, and, and Thousand Oaks is quite a plum of, for a finance director. You know, big city, lots of things going on, uh, good salaries. You know, uh, there'd be a lot of competition for for the role. And sometimes big cities uh, or, or cities that position themselves in that way. You know, think, okay, we want to get the very best out there, and yeah, we've got these great people internally, but now we want to go bigger, we want to go, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, so we've actually found that sometimes it's harder for people when they um, are inside the organization to get that finance director role than if they, um, you know, some people might say, oh, they got the inside track because they're there, but sometimes that's actually an impediment. How did you reposition yourself with the council, with the you know, your peers with the department heads and so on, uh, so that they would view you now instead of as of Jamie, the uh, person who started as a payroll clerk or, or who was number two, to be, you know, hey, here's Jamie ready to go as finance director. Yeah, and I think I've worked on that throughout my time here. Um, 
my previous boss was really implemental in mentoring me throughout the past five years as deputy, and that included involving me in you know, finance audit committee meetings with city council, capital facilities committee meetings with the city council. So I was able to put my face out there and my name out there. I led some of those meetings. So I was able to start building that relationship with city council and with our city manager. You know, I was involved in a lot of different projects so that I was able to step up as a leader at many points throughout the organization. So people could start to see me in that role as leading and managing the finance department. So I, I you know, really hold a lot of it to our previous director and giving me those opportunities throughout the years where I could prove myself and prove that I was capable of doing that. Okay. And, and sometimes in other circumstances where you might not have a, as intrinsically supportive of a, of a uh, finance director, it may be really uh, somebody asking for those opportunities and saying, hey, I'd like to exercise some leadership here and show what I can do and that sort of thing. And it follows the old adage that, you know, you get the job when you're already doing the job. And it sounds like you were starting to already do the job of finance director uh, even before you took it on. Okay, thanks for those insights. Yeah. So Don mentioned some action plans, especially in the budget process. Your first six to 12 months on the job are really critical in establishing that you're a leader as well as a good manager and supervisor. You're capable of these new responsibilities. You can effectively lead staff to achieve goals. You know, we're in the middle of our biennial budget process right now. It's a huge, long time commitment, but it's really a key indicator to your boss, to your staff, to city council, to the press, the public, as to whether or not you can handle the job. I think some key things to keep in mind as you're now navigating this process as a director is first communication. Communicate what the themes of the budget are. Communicate the vision. Hold a kickoff meeting with the whole city, with all the departments where you can lay out the budget process. Talk about financial issues, how your major revenue sources are projected. Lay that groundwork and that strategic theme to key staff so they understand where the city is before we even begin starting preparing budget requests. Also, you need to have a strong understanding of where city council is at. What are their goals? What are their priorities? So you can ensure funding set aside in the budget to achieve them. Really, it's key for the months-long budget process to be successful by proper upfront planning. Work backwards from your public hearing date to determine when staff reports need to be prepared, budget presentations need to be prepared, draft budget document, et cetera, so that you can stay on track and on target. Communicate with your budget staff. I just got a revised sales tax estimate from our consultants with a couple weeks ago, two days before our staff report was due. I immediately sent that to our budget officer, to our city manager, to our assistant city manager. Communication is key. In addition, I have a pretty in-depth knowledge of the city's finances, but if you don't, I recommend getting to know as much as operating the budget as you can. It's really, really powerful to city council when you have one-on-one meeting, finance audit committee, and they ask you a detailed question, and you're able to answer their question without having to say you'll look into it. Also, not long after starting the job, or maybe you're even during the recruitment process a little, find out what the city manager's expectations are of you. It's hard to succeed if they expect something and you don't know about it. Also, don't be afraid to ask for advice. As deputy, I often would go to the director and bounce ideas off of him or just strategize on certain issues. 
I remember my first week as a director, an issue came up, and I immediately thought, oh, I'm going to go talk to the director, and then came to the realization really quickly, I am the director now. So find that person early on that you can trust and that will provide you valuable feedback and advice. And I think a key thing for me juggling two jobs right now and the major priorities that we have going on is that prioritization of work is key. When I'm in meetings all day and staff don't have access to me, that can be a problem. I try to do my best to make sure that I review all the things that need my signature, contracts, memos, staff reports, purchase orders, that I take those home at night, make sure I sign them, make sure I get it back to them that next day so that they're not waiting on me to get their job done. And then just some advice. Knowledge is power. Listen to others. Get that pulse of what is going on in the community. Utilize social media to your benefit. I don't necessarily mean tweet. I don't have a Twitter. I've never tweeted in my life, but monitor the press's social media accounts, for example. Read the local newspaper, see what's being talked about. Based on Twitter and a couple other comments I heard and paid attention to in the last month, I knew that this article in our local newspaper was going to come out. We were prepared in advance to answer any questions that the city council may have. Also very important in any position, not just the director, network with others. Get to know your brokers, your bankers, your consultants. Get to know neighboring finance directors within the community and in the county. So you can chat with each other about issues that the county is facing, what's going on. Find out how they're handling things with their city. And finally, never be shy to ask for feedback. Not just from your boss, but from your employees there as well. Are you meeting their expectations? Be up, open and upfront. And if they do provide feedback, take it into consideration and act on it if you can. Okay, when thanks, we Jamie. Discussing... Great oh, insight. One more thing. Oh, please. Um, yeah, when we were discussing this presentation, I was asked how I handled that transition internally from deputy director to director. Honestly, I'm still learning. I think one of the hardest things for me will be to get out of the details. You know, as the deputy, I was very involved in the details of the finances. I'm having to juggle doing both right now, so I'm heavily involved in the details still. But I think that will maybe be a little bit of a challenge for me to sort of remove myself somewhat as the director from those details. And you get staff and management to respect you and trust you in your new role by leading by example, practicing what you preach, take time to work with others. And one of the department directors recently commented to the city manager that he was really impressed with how I took time to actually sit down and explain to him the accounting for a fund for him. At the end, you're going to have some bumps in the road, but stay positive, keep moving forward. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Uh, great insights. Uh, so we want to take a look at um, what are some uh, useful questions uh, and topics. You've heard a number of things that uh, uh, Jamie's highlighted for you. Uh, what I want to do is uh, give everyone a chance to take a look at the uh, polling question here and to respond which of these items, click off as many as are relevant to you, are major areas of focus for you as you think about stepping into a finance director role or as you're in one and seeking to strengthen your, your position in that effectively. So uh, take, a, take a moment to click these off. 
And while that's happening, I'll cover a couple of questions that came in. Uh, some people are asking uh, about how many employees are in your finance department. They're just trying to get a sense of the scale. Um, yeah, we have about 55 employees in the finance department. We have IT and facilities, which is a little unusual in our finance department. Okay. All right. So pretty uh, hefty number of folks uh, to help work on that. So uh, what I'm hearing from you is you're seeing one of your opportunities in going forward is to figure out how you can um, uh, delegate and, and leverage those employees even further to get yourself out of the doing and, and even more into the leading. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So, sounds good. Um, so we're going to give a moment more for uh, these uh, to come through and to give people a full minute uh, to respond to each of the questions. And while that's happening, we're going to be setting up um, Dustin for his uh, presentation here. So let's take a look at what the results are here and what happened through this. So we're seeing that um, repositioning yourself from doer to leader was a, was a big item for folks and communicating with council and public is another one and as well as the networking and, and handling the broader workload. So uh, your themes resonated a lot with people about things that they want to focus in on and thanks for your insights and, and how you've uh, grappled with those and dealt with them effectively. Thanks so much, Jamie. We'll be coming back to you for some comments as we as we wrap up, but uh, we want to turn immediately now to Dustin and uh, Finance Director in Hayward. Dustin, thanks for being with us today. I understand it's a rainy day in the Bay Area, and you did some struggling through the commute to get to, into the office for this webinar. Thanks so much for being with us. A little bit. I had a, a canoe uh, my way in, but I had extra paddles in my car, so I'm good. Great. So uh, I think what you'll find are some common themes that will, you know, that, that Jamie spoke about, what I'll speak about, and what also Robert will speak about. Um, you know, so finding those common themes is great uh, because it, it will help you to sort of um, figure out how to uh, navigate through things. But one of the things that I want to get across is there is no singular one right way to do it, if you will. Um, there are ways to sort of set yourself up for success. I can't tell you exactly how to do it. I can give you real-life examples. Robert can give you real-life examples. Uh, other department heads can give you real-life examples. Jamie gave you some great real-life examples. But you have to do um, what, what's best for you and, and you know, realize that essentially what you've done thus far in your career has, has prepared you for this position. You wouldn't be in this position if someone didn't see something in, in you your resume didn't uh, provide the information or, or experience that, that someone was looking for, you wouldn't be here. So you, you don't need to uh, constantly sort of look for the, the uh, information. You've got some experience. Draw on it. Um, another important theme uh, in setting yourself up for success is, is finding support, um, both internally and externally. You'll have uh, other department heads who will help to support you. You've got staff that will help to support you. You've got colleagues in other cities, other you know, other local agencies that are there to support you. Leverage that. Use them. They're there for you. Um, they don't know that you want the support unless you ask for it. So you know, it kind of gets back to Jamie's point of asking for feedback. Well, it's, it's also good to ask for support. 
Um, what, one thing that, that I like to do is try to surround myself with uh, people that are smarter than I am, uh, which, you know, I think there's there's an, uh, a mentality that, that is counter to that and saying, ooh, I don't want to find somebody that might be smarter than me. They might show me up. No, 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 no. Especially if, if they're working with or for you, absolutely. I want the smartest team, the best team that I can get. We'll kind of talk a little bit more about that later, but I'm looking to try to find the, the best team, the smartest people that I can so that we can work together and, and that's going to ultimately make everyone more successful. Um, we, I, it's also important for me um, to provide radical transparency. Uh, I work with a city manager who supports me in that and uh, pushes for it. Um, that's not necessarily uh, common or hasn't been in the local government space, but I think that's uh, the trend of the future and um, get on board before you're left behind this train. Um, it's important to be transparent because, you know, as, as Jamie alluded to, in the budget process, in, um, in labor negotiations, uh, if you're found not to be transparent or that you're not providing uh, enough information, it, it sort of leads to wasting of time or misinformation being put out there. If you're not um, sort of providing information uh, for folks, they'll fill in the blanks and that can be dangerous. Um, it's okay to be wrong, but get in there and fix it as soon as possible. The first time I ever presented to city council, uh, I made a mistake and I, you know, just beat myself up about it. And I was, I was so freaked out and, oh, they're not going to trust me ever again. And this was my first, my first chance to shine. And I, I, I stumbled and, oh, I was, I was just, you know, it killed me that night. And I, I came in the next morning and I, I was, you know, prepared my resignation letter to the city manager. And I said, you know, I'm really sorry I messed up. And she just kind of looked at me like, oh, I, I don't think anybody gave it a second thought. Send me an email so that I can distribute it to council. And, you know, we did that, moved on. I shredded the uh, letter of resignation and, and just kept, kept moving forward. But uh, it, it's okay to be wrong. It, as long as you go back, look at it, and once you find out the, the uh, accurate information, provide it. Um, in the same vein, uh, it's okay to say, I don't know. And uh, it's, it's okay to say, I don't have that information tonight. I'll get back to you, mayor or you know, city manager or whomever, department head. Um, I found that to be far more effective than providing bad information. Uh, providing bad information steals credibility. And in this business, essentially credibility is uh, you know, one of the, the main foundational pieces of what we do. We, we have to be able to provide credible information or our, our worth is, is very diminished. So that's, those are sort of some key points that I find to setting yourself up for success. These certainly aren't the only points, um, and, and you'll know your situation and the, the agency that you're entering uh, may have you know, different things that are, that are keys for you. So identifying those as early as possible is, is going to be important for you as you uh, transition into this role. Um, I've got some do's. I, I won't go over every single one of these. Uh, there, there are some very common themes in here. Um, we're being appointed or hired to this position to sort of to lead not only our department, um, but to lead uh, the city and, and the policymakers towards financial truth. 
Um, and so you've got to be the one to to lead them to that. That's not always fun. I will absolutely tell you, providing information that people don't want to hear is not a fun thing to do. Um, not providing people information because they don't want to hear it is dangerous. Um, if, if we're providing policymakers information um, and, and they need to hear bad news so that they can make a decision, even if it's not the decision they want, that's a better place to be than, you know, holding something back or, or you know, pro providing a, you know, a, a painting a better picture that doesn't quite exist. That's not going to do you favors in the long run. It might be a rough night the night that you have to provide the bad information, but that night will end. Uh, that day will end. The next day you'll come back and you'll move forward. Uh, it, it, it's just kind of the way that, that it goes. Um, knowledge is power. Jamie alluded to this as well. So share it with folks. Empower people. Here at the city of Hayward, um, when I took over, the budget was was a magical mystery to folks, uh, and and they they didn't know how to use our system very well. They didn't know how to find budget information. They didn't know all of these things. So one of the one of the key things that that we took on early uh, when I got the position was trying to educate folks and provide tools for them to be able to leverage and find their own information without having to come to us, without being beholden to finance without, um, you know, forcing them to uh, essentially have one source of truth, uh, which, you know, there is one source of truth in, in the budget and in the, the general ledger, but if people can't access it, they have to come to, uh, you know, to myself, the rest of the team, and, it, it, you know, it, it creates distrust. When they can find things on their own, it helps them to understand, you know, that, the numbers are what they are. Uh, you know, people can put spin on them, but when they can see the hard facts, it, it certainly helps things. Um, when you uh, take over, you if, if you're coming from within the organization, you probably know some of the things that are broken. If you're coming from outside, you, you may not know it when you walk in the door, but you'll probably find out pretty quickly. Uh, and when you do find things that are broken, fix them. Fix them as, as quickly as possible. Change isn't easy for some people, so that fix may, may take some time. You may have to sort of finesse it and, and do things over a period of time so that people aren't so upset, um, but managing that change will be uh, pay dividends in the long run. Um, certainly be humble, uh, collaborate with folks. Um, when, I, when I started, the um, organization was, was working in silos quite a bit, and, and a lot of that actually had to do with the budget. Um, because people didn't know what other people were getting, what other people were asking for, um, or how the decisions were made. So uh, in collaborating with folks and, and giving departments much more information, it, it helped to break those silos down and we could have more of a, uh, a citywide conversation rather than departments coming in and, and you know, making their case uh, without sort of um, uh, putting any mind towards the other, the other people who were asking for things. Um, Jamie alluded to this, I'm sure Robert will as well, listen. Listen to, to your team, the city manager, to city council, to the community. Um, there's likely things that w when you come into this role, people are frustrated with. Even, even if you are taking over uh, after a superstar, we all have shortcomings, right? So listen to what the community or what, what, who, whichever group it is that you're talking to has to say 
because they'll they'll help you to kind of learn and grow. Um, the others, it's important to let status quo go. At, at least in my experience, if, if if status quo in the agency that you're you're part of or joining is fantastic, then hey, keep up the good work. But if it's not, and chances are there are areas that it's not, then get rid of it. Don't don't accept uh, poor performance. Don't accept low bars. Don't accept that, well, you know, this department doesn't always get their budget information in, in on time. You don't have to be, uh, you know, tyrannical for people to um, to get their information in on time, but letting them know and saying, hey, you know, it really kind of messes everything up. Giving them an insight, you know, this kind of gets back to the radical transparency, giving them an insight of, of what it what happens when things are slow and we can't have the conversations with the board or council or committees in a timely fashion for them to be able to adopt on time. Then we can't, uh, you know, departments can't get their budget, they can't spend it, you know, so it's it sort of explaining that, that snowball effect to folks um, so that they realize, yeah, when you push out a week, two weeks, it, we're not just setting these deadlines um, because we, we feel like it. There's actually a rhyme and reason, so we can't accept you constantly being late. Um, that, that goes for you, your own team as well. Um, if, you, if you've got someone who's underperforming and maybe they, they've historically uh, been able to underperform, as the director, it, you know, even if they're not your direct report, it, it's your responsibility to make sure that, that you put a place and plan, uh, uh, sorry, a plan in place uh, to manage that and, and, and no longer accept uh, under underperformance. Um, one that I like to live by, doesn't work for everyone. I like to under-promise and over-deliver. I hate to do the opposite. Um, you never want to over-promise and under-deliver. Uh, it's much easier to say, hey, I know I said I was going to get you this in two weeks, but here it is in a week. So now we can have the conversation or we can have it in two weeks, whatever whatever works. But that's a much better than, uh, hey, I'll have it in two weeks and then don't get there for six. Um, certainly be loyal. Uh, here's one of the most important, um, and I think as a new director, it's it's tough to find that confidence. But say no. When 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 the answer is no, it's okay to say no. You may have to frame it in a way and be strategic about saying it and, and have reasons why you're saying no. But you weren't hired to just say yes all the time, right? If you say yes all the time. You're, you're going to end up in a budget situation that you, that you don't want, the council doesn't want, and most certainly they will blame the city manager and the finance director for it. So uh, it's okay to say no. You don't want to be the, the wet blanket that's always saying no, but when it's, when it's uh, important to, you have to. Uh, the other is if you've got a, a team of talent, uh, which many of us do and or will, uh, share your resources. It's contagious. Um, when you share with another department who's maybe got some vacancies and they, they have a need that, that you can provide, uh, I, let me be clear. I'm not saying to provide it in a way that prevents uh, your team from performing and getting what they need to get done done. Uh, but when you have someone who has a little bit of extra time or wants to grow in an area and, and this opportunity with the stretch assignment might help them to do that, do it. Because there will be a time where, where you need a resource back, um, and when you've said, "Hey, yeah, sure, you know, development services, we can we can offer you some help in writing the staff report, 
this or that, they'll be willing to return the favor in most cases. Let me just so, step in for a moment, Dustin. Sure. Got a question came up on one of the items that you indicated there. There's a question coming up from one of our audience members about any tips on managing expectations and pacing the workload and projects. You talked about you know, under-promising, over-delivering. This person is saying they're so eager to prove themselves and uh, that they're taking on too much and overworking themselves, uh, which means a higher risk of burnout and making mistakes. What would what would you advise that person? You know, it sounds like they're almost you know still trying to convince people that hired them that they made the right hire by working you know so hard to prove themselves in that. But that's sort of human nature. How? Any further thoughts about that on on how to manage those expectations so you don't look like you're you look competent but you're you're not burying yourself. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a couple points here. One is it, it goes back to the, the previous slide on the do's. You need to be able to say no. And when it's when you're when you're just getting crushed and you can't do anymore, you have to say, I I can't take on any more right now. Finance is too stretched. We can't do this or that. But you know another way to put it uh, to uh, a city manager or city council is, we can absolutely take that project on. But here is what it's going to cost you. We can no longer devote the resources towards this project, which you've said is a priority. So help me to decide which of these two projects is actually the priority. And if it's both, realize that there will be, um, you know, uh, maybe potentially substandard work done because we just don't have the, the time, the level of effort necessarily, uh, maybe the expertise, unfortunately, uh, to do those projects. You know, um, the other is sort of what I've found very effective is really be incredibly clear about uh, the timeline that, that people should expect things. Providing timelines with, with uh, when we're taking on any project both internally and uh, uh, for city council has been key in, in uh, sort of setting that expectation and saying, here's when you'll have things. If you bug me two weeks before a, a due date, I'm probably going to tell you it's not ready. You can ask me, can you move that up? Maybe I'll say yes, maybe I'll say no. Um, but communicating throughout that timeline, if you're going to miss a deadline, communicating as far out uh, is, is key. And sort of that sort of helps people to understand, here's what I can expect. Here's what, when that's going to be delivered. And as long as you meet or certainly have a, a valid reason and communicate when you're not going to meet a deadline, uh, those are kind of the, the two most effective tools that I've found in managing that. Okay, great. That's very helpful. And I think it's also useful when people have taken on a new role in a new organization and might not know what the organization is capable of to say, hey, I hear what you want. I hear what you, when you'd like to have it. Let me get back with my team and figure out, you know, what we can deliver rather than sort of saying, yes, 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 we'll do all these things and then discovering, oh, whoops, you know, there's just isn't the capacity or, 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 or whatever to do it. So I think, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to check into that and I'll get right back to you in some time or, or the next day or whatever, uh, is, it's a good way for people to, you know, have a chance to reflect and see how things fit in and, and feel in charge versus, you know, chasing. Thanks. Let's hear some more of your don'ts. So some of the don'ts, uh, you know, some of these may seem like, duh, basically, um, but it's still important to to look at them and know that it, it, it's a you cannot accept poor behavior from folks. Um, I, I know my.
myself, and this gets back to uh, to Jamie's uh, sort of mentioning the the level of uh, personnel management that you, that you have. I, I certainly manage people. I've managed people throughout my career. However, I, I wasn't quite in, as um, involved in the HR side of things as I am now until this role. Um, and I inherited some folks that had been with the organization for quite a long time, um, had exhibited poor behavior for, for many, many years, um, and had, you know, sometimes that not only had it been accepted, but sometimes it had been rewarded. Um, and so you have to essentially bring that person in or the, the group of people in and say, hey, I, I, I understand that this was accepted in the past, but it's not going to be perpetuated. If you think I'm being unreasonable or be fair or unfair, let's have the conversation. But these are the types of things that I'm not going to put up with. Um, and that's that's been very effective uh, in, in my experience. Being being clear with people, uh, communicating expectations, and sort of letting them know, hey, these are the lines you can't cross, and when you do, I, I'm not going to accept it. Um, generally, when you're consistent in that and you don't play favorites with someone. Um, or, or you don't treat anyone unfairly, that, that's been very successful in my experience. Um, don't get pushed around. You're likely to have some strong personalities. Uh, you're also likely to have some very intelligent people who maybe that poor, poor behavior um, or, or uh, poor performance has, has been accepted because, oh, they're such an asset to the team. You can't let, um, you can't let that take place. Um, don't, don't accept uh, poor results. Um, you have to set the set the bar high, and and help your help people to uh, to meet and exceed that bar. Um, don't at all be threatened by smart people. You want as many on your team. They'll they'll help you shine, and you can help them grow. Um, there, there's you know I kind of mentioned earlier uh, the thought of oh I, if that person's smarter than they than me they may make me look bad. No, they're they're going to make you look really good. Um, as long as you're on the same page with that person uh, and, and you're both, you know, you, you're feeding them and they're feeding you, you're, you're both going to grow from it. Um, this goes, you know, sort of to your point or, earlier, Don, don't take on more than you can handle. I know we're all eager to prove ourselves. Um, and likely, if you're in this role, you uh, have, have made a career of overachieving you will hit a point where overachieving is impossible. Um, and so you kind of have to know your limits a little bit and, and say, all right, I can't do it all. So either I'm going to need more resources to get this done. We're all in finance. We know that there's no more resources that can be devoted towards things uh, in, in many of our agencies. Um, so you have to be, you have to be smart uh, about how you, how you take things on. Um, don't hoard information. This goes back to the radical transparency. Empower people. Let them ask the questions. Don't when they when they um, ask the questions, answer them reasonably. Don't be upset when they disagree with you. That's certainly not easy for me all the time. I struggle with that, um, but it, it's something I've learned to grow in and try to help uh, my colleagues in saying, "Yeah, let's let's have this conversation. I, here's here here are all the cards. They're on the table. Let's talk about it." If you disagree with one of the cards, I'm okay with being wrong. I'd rather be right in the long run than have my answer be right. 
Um, I'd rather have those. You you all will see um, if you're not in this role currently, but you get there, you'd way rather be proven wrong um, with your your colleagues on the executive team or the city manager um, rather than in a public meeting in, in front of city council. It, it, it's much less embarrassing to do so behind closed doors. Um, don't crack under the pressure. These are high pressure positions. There's no doubt about it, but you have to, uh, you can sort of take comfort in knowing that there are people like myself, like Jamie, like Robert, that are all going through the same things that you are. Reach out to us. Reach out to, to your colleagues in, in your local cities or local agencies around you so that you can at least share over, over a beer, over a coffee, hey, this was a really tough process and it stunk and I didn't feel supported. Oh, you went through the exact same thing? Well, that doesn't provide support in my agency, but it certainly helps me to understand you know, that you went through it as well. What lessons did you learn? Here's what I learned. It, it, it's great to sort of have that uh, collegial relationship with the folks around you. Um, so words to live by. Um, don't try to be someone you're not. You will, you will probably fail. I, I have tried uh, in my past to sort of be the early uh, as I took on the role. I, I, I tried to be uh, the previous director and it, it failed miserably. She had a 25-year career in, uh, in creating municipal budgets. I did not. And so for me to try to pretend like I had all of the knowledge that she did, it was silly and I failed at it. I had to say, all right, I just I need to educate myself. I need to surround myself with with people that are that are far more expert in this, and I'll I'll grow in the role and in my understanding. But I can't pretend to be someone I'm not. Um, I've alluded to this a bunch of times. Surround yourself with people that are much smarter than you. Um, it, you won't regret it. I, I assure you. Um, it being a leader is not always fun or easy, but that's why we're here. Um, and in the end, you, you, it will pay dividends in ways that, uh, you know, sort of shrinking uh, when you need to be a leader will not pay it. It, it may be more comfortable, but it's, it, it certainly won't help you to be a better leader. Um, be consistent. Uh, it, when people know how to act around you or how to react to you, and this, this goes for, for your, your teams, uh, city council, uh, your colleagues, all of that. Uh, when, when they know how uh, to approach you with a question or that they can come and talk to you any day, even if you've had a bad day, it's going to provide comfort and stability to folks and, and it really helps them to operate in, in a way that if you're a wild card all the time um, and you, you don't know how someone's going to react, you may not approach them, which means I'm not being asked the questions that I need to be asked, or I'm not providing the information that I'm not that I need to be providing because they're not coming to me because the last time I blew up at them. So you just have to kind of be consistent, make sure that people know what they're getting when they when they come to talk to you, uh, and provide good information. Um, perfection cannot be reasonably expected, so that's a, a two-way street. You can't expect it of your team because they can't provide it. No one is perfect, right? And council and the city manager can't expect it of you. It's, it's, not, it's not possible. You can do a great job, and you can expect that your team's going to do a great job, but you can't expect for folks to be perfect. Um, 
the last uh, the last couple, if you've been in finance for most of your career, you already know you can't please everyone, right? Uh, it would be great if I could go out and tell department heads, city council, the community, hey, you know what? We have more money than we know what to do with. Everything you ask for, I'm going to give it to you. Our unfunded liabilities, they're funded now. That doesn't exist. Um, and so we have to understand that we can't please everyone, but being reasonable, being transparent, giving people reasons why we can't do something, that will help uh, tremendously in, in your success. Um, and also, it's okay to be different. Uh, you know, kind of the, the first point I made, there is no one right way. You have to do what works best for you, what works best for your agency, uh, and what works best for your team. So. Great. Thank, thanks for the wonderful advice. Let's take a look. Uh, you've got a lot of uh, points of advice here from uh, Dustin. Uh, here, I'm just summarizing a few of them with this polling question. But we'd like you to take a moment to reflect on what you're hearing, be active learners, uh, and highlight which ones particularly resonate uh, for you as you're thinking about uh, these opportunities and challenges. Um, and we'll uh, take a look at um, uh, some of the questions that you've got here. We've got a, uh, just a moment or two for a couple of quick answers on some questions. A few quick tips. Um, I think it would be great from you, Dustin. You came from a not-for-profit uh, environment, a, a government auditing role. Uh, what did you find as the biggest transitions moving into from that kind of background into uh, local government setting and taking on a finance director role? Just a couple quick tips there, if you could. Sure. Um, you know, I came in from an organization that didn't have uh, uh, unions. Um, I came in from an organization that was was constantly changing based on uh, funding sources, et cetera. Um, and I didn't necessarily learn the uh, change management piece uh, while I was there. And so coming in, that was definitely uh, sort of a learning curve for me, um, helping to figure out, okay, I can't just show up and say, hey guys, we're gonna change everything. Um, it was it was really being more thoughtful and strategic about the changes that you implement so that every time you come up with something, people aren't going, oh, not this again. You know, it, it's being tactful um, and being strategic and thinking, all right, these are five things I wanna, wanna change. Let's prioritize these five things and then let's think about which of these are possible and which are not, um, and sort of sort of knowing your audience and and being strategic about how you implement that change was was huge. Okay, great, great, thank you. Well, we're gonna uh, we want to turn uh, now to our uh, presenter Robert Hamoud uh, from Washington State. We're so glad to have you with us, Robert, um, and share your perspectives uh, on on these topics. And thank you, Don. And yeah, just to touch on, I'm going to go and expand a little bit on what the, the last two presenters were discussing. So, excuse me just a moment. So my experience was a little different. I did start, as many people have, um, as a budget analyst uh, for local governments, and I started in 2005 as a budget analyst. And so I was a budget and finance analyst for about a total of eight years before I became uh, my first job as a, a finance director. And again, I'm, I'm in Washington now, but I'm from California. I'm going to talk about that a little bit 
Um, in all of my jobs, I've really tried, and, and, and regardless of what, what position you're in right now, even if you're an entry-level analyst and you're brand new, volunteer for as much as you can. Learn from as much as you can. Go to different departments. Um, I've had the luxury that not everybody else has. I've always been a generalist, meaning I've always been in the central, I've always been in the budget or finance department. I've always been directly under a city manager, directly under an agency head. And so I haven't been like in Parks and Rec. I haven't been in other departments. So I've always kind of had that broader view. But even if you're in the other departments, you know, maybe you can get an assignment where you're loaned from public works to finance or from recreation to public works, something like that. Really get your hands around the organization. And one position where I was really able to do that uh, was when I served as a principal financial analyst in Santa Rosa in California. Um, in that position, uh, I did a lot of budget. I was assigned several budget departments. I was in charge of the utilities budget uh, for the city. But I also um, did a lot of different special projects. Uh, I, I helped assist with the reorganization of the entire Parks and Recreation Department when I was there. Uh, I served as a staff member, especially on the financial side, um, during labor negotiations, sometimes tense labor negotiations, and that got me skills uh, that I that I used for other jobs. And so, really, you know, trying to get your hands on, you know, what can you do in your organization right now? You might feel stuck, but there's definitely room for opportunity. And I know, especially after the recession in 2008, I've never worked in a position where anybody's been fully staffed by by uh, my experience right now is, you know, we're not fully staffed. I'm in a small city that grew very fast and we don't have enough staff to keep up. So I think anywhere you're at, there's always room for more. I mean, don't overwork yourself like Don and the other presenters were talking about. But at the same time, if there's other duties as a sign that you can take on uh, that would further your resume, you know, looking at a different department, doing a special analysis or special project, um, doing some type of CIP program, I would strongly recommend that because it's going to help you. Uh, become a better director, become a finance director in the future. Again, I think when people apply for jobs, and when I look at resumes myself, I'm not just looking at what the title is. I think maybe 10 years ago people were, but right now they're looking at, can you do this position? Maybe you're a budget analyst, but maybe you manage the budget in your organization. Maybe you manage you know, a $50 million budget. So things like that, um, you can always get experience. So don't think you're hamstrung just because of your title. Even if you're an administrative technician, you can you still get your hands on a lot of different things. Uh, so there's always room for improvement, always room to volunteer. Don't take on too much, but at the same time, don't take on too little, if that makes sense. Try to find a balance. Um, also, consult with mentors inside and outside of your organization. Start that now. Um, if there's just people like the other speakers, like Dustin said, you could have coffee with them, shared experiences. Get involved. If you're in, um, California, I highly recommend if you're, you know, newer to government or, you know, maybe not quite a department head yet or a brand new department head, MMANC and MMASC are very good resources. They, they have, um, in all regions of the state, they have, I believe, monthly events where you have a lot of different people that you can bounce ideas off and other organizations might, might be in your place, might be a little higher place than you that you can ask for advice. Uh, CSM of Holisserv, I've got that link. Later on, the same thing. Uh, different groups you can find. Um, always reach out to and reach out to your neighboring cities. Reach out to other people that you know. Reach out to former bosses, even professors. Um, anybody you can, because you always want to take information. I, I look at it this way: even if I have another 20 years of experience, 
I'm always going to have mentors. I'm always going to have people I ask for advice. This job is fluid. You can't just say, oh, I'm a finance director and I get it. It changes every single day. So know what you're getting into. And that's one thing I like about it. And that's one thing I love about local government is you get your hands on so many different things, so many different aspects, and it's never the same. And there's always a new challenge around the corner. So, of course, your first, if you're looking at right now, of course, there's all over Washington, I know this, and all over California, there's a lot of open finance director positions. Uh, seems to be kind of a wave of retirees and, and shuffling right now. So it's a good opportunity to look if you're, you're, you're doing that. But before you do, you really want to look at thorough research on the organization you're applying to. You know, where are they at? Assess the operating environment first. Look at several years of financial statements, look at their biennial budget. Do they have audit findings? Do they have a history of turnover? You know, with the last four city managers out within two to three months, that kind of thing. Do you have a brand new council? Are there warning signs? Every, every organization, even the ones that might look, quote unquote, the gold standard of squeaky clean, they're gonna have something. You could have a well-oiled machine that was run by somebody for 35 years, but they could have a 35-year-old ERP. They could have, they could be doing things on spreadsheets and not even have an ERP. There's, there's certain, not everything is, is perfect when you walk in. There's always going to be changes. But is it an operating environment you can succeed in, or is the environment so toxic that there's not enough confidence, there's not enough positivity, and you know the morale is so low that you can't succeed? That's critical because if it looks like, oh, my neighbor's hiring, I should go there. I know they've had, you know. 20 vacancies and, and six city managers in a year, but that's okay. It's not okay. You know, definitely assess the environment. Can you thrive under that environment? Can you grow professionally and can you make a difference? And and that's really a critical question. And sometimes on the surface, it's really hard to, to figure that out, but really make your best educated guesses. You're not always going to be perfect when you do that. And when you're offered a position, I highly recommend you interview them as well. I, I know when I was offered the position, excuse me, when I was offered the position I'm in right now, I actually, um, excuse me, we're having some, I'm having some fun issues right now. When I, when I received the position I'm in now, I actually had a little bit of concerns coming out of um, some of the interviews I had here. So I actually arranged an interview with we're a strong mayor, so I arranged an interview with the strong mayor and the city administrator and kind of grilled them for an hour and a half before I decided to take the job. Um, always interview the people that you're going to work for. Uh, same thing, you know, get your questions answered sooner than later. Make sure, again, you're making the best educated decision you can when you accept that right position. But don't be afraid to. If you say, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to take that leap. If you feel you can do that, you feel you have enough knowledge, you feel it's a good fit, don't pass on it. Just go ahead and do it. And so I went ahead and did it, and candidly, I did it too soon. Um, I was a principal financial analyst, as I said, in Santa Rosa, California. It was a very good job. I was getting good experience with that. And then um, some family uh, issues of mine um, prompted me to look at positions in Montana at the time. And I decided to jump at a CFO job as um, a CFO 
so in a, a large county, large for Montana, which is 80,000, which is not large for California, but it was a complex county, full service, 58 million in annual spending, 500 FTE. The first warning sign I had was working for a three-member partisan county commission. And uh, you know, I know there's Oregon and Washington attendees on this call. There's still this level of government, so some of you might actually work under this level of government uh, in those states. And uh, it can be very difficult because two members in a room is a quorum. So even if they're saying, hello, good morning, that's a quorum. Uh, it, it's very hard. There's certain area times that I, you know, one, one, count, one uh, commissioner would come to me about a budget question, another one would come at the same time about a budget question, and I couldn't answer that, separate them because of a quorum. Very hard to get work done. Um, I knew that there was major challenges when I went in there. Uh, this was a large county and even unique to Montana. It did not have a county administrator. So again, it was just three uh, elected officials running the running a very complex organization. And not only that, there were also another dozen elected officials on the side. County treasurer, city county clerk, um, sheriff, just so many different elected officials. And so really the picture was muddled. I asked a lot of questions during my interview, but kind of those glaring, am I really gonna have full authority over the budget, full authority over finance, those questions I didn't fully resolve. I thought I could do it and thought I could change it inside. And uh, some of the other, we had some other warning signs in there, such as unqualified staff. Um, I hate to say it, but we had people that had absolutely no financial experience in key positions, such as a revenue manager for the county. Of course, that resulted in findings in the audits um, over multiple years and some serious findings that we had uh, when I was there. And it's trying to clean that up. But again, cleaning that up in an organization with that's really just elected officials and not a good structure, it's very hard because you have to persuade multiple elected officials to change and again, own up on maybe some mistakes they had because they didn't believe that they needed an executive manager. They thought they could be the CEOs themselves. And that again, you know, makes it, makes it difficult. So my first CFO job was, again, the wrong culture. And because of the problems we had in the county, there were, there were major, major problems, including theft. And here's two examples I put on here of articles. Um, when I started, I, we had a problem with our fairgrounds director. There, were, there was actually uh, money and property missing from our fairgrounds and an overspent budget and revenues dropping in the same year. So a lot of irregularities. Uh, the person was asked to leave their position. Um, there was an investigation. And just recently, an under-sheriff that I worked with for two years and his captain um, both were charged with stealing firearms from the county. And these are serious issues, and there were a couple more that happened when I was there. And so if you have some qualms about an organization, you have some concerns, um, they're founded. Um, follow your instinct, and I did not at the time. And, and that was really a learning experience for me, so I did leave that position. So finally, I found the right fit for me with the city of Snoqualmie, Washington, where I'm at now. Again, I'm new to Washington. I'm a Californian by nature. Um, but I looked at different positions in California. I looked at different positions here. And um, through a consulting job I did for a couple of years, I got to know uh, the city administrator here quite well, was really impressed with him. I had visited the community once in my previous job, and it was it just blew me away how beautiful it was 
how well managed it was. It was just, you know, sometimes you can just go to a community and tell that it's a good fit. But so in our case, it's strong management and leadership. I had the same city manager and mayor for 15 years. And that says something because in a strong mayor form of government, there might be more turnover. There might be an administrator that's less professional. Not the case here. We have a, a experienced city manager that became the city administrator. He's got 30 years in the business, one of the best in the business. Um, but he and the mayor have worked really well together for those 15 years. And so it's a unique setup. And we have a very solid financial position here with very stable property tax and sales tax revenues. And we have uh, a large utility tax revenue source as well. And so we have a very solid foundation. We're very lucky for that. Not every community has that luxury. And we punch above our weight. We're a full service city. Um, about population, probably about 18,000 when the next census comes out. We have about 50 million in annual expenditures, but we actually provide um, full police services for a neighboring city. We provide full IT services for another city, and we actually provide community development services for a third city. So we we um, we offer services above and beyond our the boundaries of our city. And when I took the job again, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier where I um, really interviewed the people I was going to work for. And so I was assured leeway by the mayor and administrator the full discretion in the management of the department. That really makes a difference. And um, I know Don asked a question earlier, just to touch on a little bit. Um, my predecessor, actually two finance directors ago, the finance department was actually under the HR director. It was very odd setup. It was not technically an administrative services director, it was an HR director. And so, um, there was some communication loss when it came from the finance department up to the city administrator. And so that changed um, when um, one of the previous finance directors and his title was actually CFO, when he came back, he um, reorganized the department so it was directly under the city administrator. So he actually retired for two years, came back for about four to six months, and I insisted he stayed on and we overlapped for about a month. So I really got to know his style. And he was, you know, had a CPA background, so different background than me. Got to learn his strengths and weaknesses. Got to learn kind of the, the pressure points in the office, and um, really seen, you know, what was working, what wasn't working. We were also in the middle of a 32 million dollar bond issuance when I came in, so working on, on a very large utility bond, and uh, the credit rating and SP and everything else that goes into that. So it was a very labor intensive process, and um, and seeing what what happens. And what what um, you can do, you know, to make the organization better when you walk in, you know, don't throw the predecessor under the bus. But what can you do better? What can you balance with that? Okay. Well, we're seeing that uh, uh, people are really responding to this issue of finding the right fit. It's a critically important thing, and especially analyzing the political and management and financial circumstances, and uh, doing your research. So you've highlighted an important issue here in the whole. Uh, topic of becoming a finance director. So appreciate you doing that. I know you've got a, a very important uh, information to share with our audience here on what you've learned in uh, uh, the uh, experience now of stepping into the finance director role. We've got very limited time, so you'll need to kind of zip through these and get the key points out here to fit in our, our time constraints, uh, Robert, but great material. Uh, please uh, carry on. Yes, thank you, Don. So, uh, you know, just briefly, again, I, when you're offered the job, jump into it as fast as you can. I mean, if you have family concerns, of course, make some transition time. But I was able to, you know, 
I didn't take a vacation between my previous job. They wanted me to start. We had a goal setting workshop. I'm like, okay, I'll start. So my last job and my previous job, my last day was one day before I started here. And because um, I was consulting, I actually, I think, flew back on a 10 p.m. flight from Sacramento and started my job the next morning. So it was a very quick transition for me. As I mentioned, we were in the middle of a bond issuance. But we had five of seven council members that had not gone through a biennial. We have a biennial budget process. They had not gone through a budget process before. I actually saw that more of as an opportunity than anything than a challenge because they're not ingrained yet. They're kind of, I'm going to say malleable. I don't know the, the right term, but you can kind of shape them or, you know, you can gain their trust. They're not, you're not coming into, well, I've been here for 20 years. What are you going to tell me that I don't already know? So there's kind of a, a good opportunity there with that changeover. And again, I, I mentioned I knew the organizational challenges with finance. Um, we have a lack of department growth. The city pretty much started with a thousand population. It's a hundred year old city, but it, it grew um, with a brand new development about 20 years ago now. And so it went from 1,000 people to, I'm thinking, we're, I'm estimating about 18,000 people in the 2020 census. And again, many financial functions needed updating. Uh, the staff was lean, so there's key positions such as utility building, business licensing, other things that we really had to look at. And we're still evaluating our automation and our processes as well. Um, yeah, one thing, I, kind of a side note on that. If you're not automating something, if you're using manual forms, there's a better way. And in many cases, if you feel like, oh, there's one person that's just buried with paperwork, there might be a you know, quicker solution, some kind of automated solution through your ERP or even through a contracted services like printing out utility bills or even sticking a kiosk at your front counter to help with lines, um, things like that, that would, that would you know, maximize your staff, help them out more. But really, and, and Dustin, I know, well, both speakers actually touched on this point, you know, planning for the first six to 12 months in the position. Formulate a realistic work plan. What can you actually do? And that's really hard. This is where I would really consult with other people on it. Uh, make sure that they know, you know, ask the more experienced finance directors, hey, what should I do in the first six months? What's realistic or not? And also judge the environment. If you've got, seven, you know, five or seven city council members that are brand new, you can't expect them to pass 100 things in six months. But what can you do? And for me, I had known objectives there. And uh, training is critical. So if you're training anybody on a new process, you're changing anything, make sure there's that clear communication with all departments. Make sure you're working with them. You're providing them resources uh, to have as much training as you can on new systems and, and new activities. So assessing your department, take your time. Unless you have immediate vacancies and needs that inhibit your operations, just relax. Don't go in there and say, I'm going to change everything overall because you need to gain your trust. Gather from your staff operationally, engage how long it took. You know, for example, I didn't have a dedicated budget analyst. I didn't have a payroll manager when I stepped in. Um, we did not have a, a very strong business license enforcement policy and no auditing of sales tax and utility tax. So those are things that I looked at immediately as an opportunity. And again, the manual processes. So working with other department heads and organizational leadership, ensure the regular meetings with your supervisor. That's critical too. Your city administrator, your assistant city manager, whoever you report to, um, keep that clear communication with them because there's going to be things that you're privy to that's happening. There's going to think, be things that they're privy to that you're not both knowing. And so having that coordination is critical between both points. But instead of getting to know your meetings with all departments you interact with and then regular meetings after that, That'll help you get to know the, the, and understand the culture of your organization. 
and also assess how the finance department is perceived by other departments. I know one thing here is people like to blame the finance department. Oh, it was finance's fault. It was this and that. But it was really the communication and the organization's fault for certain things. So reaching out to other departments, creating a team environment, and getting them on the same page, and also not 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 having the appearance that finance is a monolithic department, making sure that, hey, it's a, it's really the truly the only department in the city that truly services everybody. So it should, you know, you should have knowledge of that the other departments, you should be working with them really hand in hand on almost everything and, and opening up that key of communication so you build that trust with the other departments, with everybody in the city. And then of course, assess where your pain points are, where will your time be most focused? Sometimes it's not, Evident sometimes it is if you have impasse with say labor units when you come in that might be a glaring item unfunded liability that may be a glaring item in California or you know a massive public works project or a shortfall in revenues uh, those are issues that that would happen but again and then working with your council and governing body make sure you're introduced immediately at a council board meeting you are the face of the finance department make sure you're approachable. And accessible to the council and the public at all times. And remember, you work for the taxpayers and ratepayers. You don't work for a city manager. You don't work for council members. You work for the people. So really have that in mind. There's always going to be one disruptor on the council. Unfortunately, we have a more than one at this point, honestly. But you consult with managers and other department heads on how to interact. And usually you'll make mistakes. I make mistakes with how I approach one of them. And, and I learned because it's different for every organization. What works in one Council might not work with another council based on the dynamics. And, and so you might have to retool or, or reset some of those uh, relationships as you go on. Again, get advice from your boss, get advice from mentors, get advice from coaches on how to proceed with that. Trial and error will occur as uh, you get to know the council members and department heads. But never play favorites. Always maintain your neutrality inside the organization and as a public face. Always maintain the neutrality. You work for the people. You don't work for one council member or for the majority or for the mayor. You work for everybody. Process improvements. Modify your work plan as needed as you become more familiar with the position and organization. And again, solicit advice. Um, I've got some, link, some links at the end of this presentation. Uh, I definitely look at those links. We have uh, CSMFO is an excellent resource, especially the listserv in California. In Washington, we actually have a finance um, group listserv as well. That's a good resource. And we also have MRSC in Washington. That's a great knowledge base for local government. And also look at the code of ethics. If you see something wrong in your organization, there probably is something wrong. Um, you say something, immediately bring it up to the administrator or the mayor. You immediately, you know, maybe bring it up with an employee. If you see a problem, if there's an irregularity with a financial matter, bring it up to the city attorney, but don't wait on it. That, that will hurt you if you wait on it. Immediately say something. People might think, oh, you're bringing up too many things, but you have the fiduciary responsibility of your organization. If there is something that you're not comfortable with, you've got to say it. So, Robert, this is all great information, but I suggest that we do just because of our timing here uh, is why don't we go to your summary points? Uh, because we've sure. got a bunch of questions that have come in from people, and I'd like to have some time uh, for all the panelists to be able to respond to those. So, if you'd cover your summary, that would be great. Sure. So everybody has a unique story. You always volunteer to work above and beyond your permanent position when you're selecting the right fit. You thoroughly vet your opportunities. Interview the interviewers, like I said, and don't be afraid of the challenging environments, but make sure you have the resources and authority 
you need to be successful. Um, if not, you won't be successful. So identify those before you, as best you can before you take a position. And find a position you want to stay in in several years, not just two years. If you go in a position and say, oh, I want to jump to somewhere else, I just want to get here, get my two years in and jump to a bigger organization, and a bigger organization, people are going to see that. They're going to see that you're a short timer and they're not going to trust you. You really want to fit where you can see yourself staying several years. Even if you don't, even if you decide to move on later, you want to make an immediate decision that, that you are going to stay with that organization. You are going to be loyal. And then after you become the finance director, again, you're going to own up to your mistakes as they happen. Just acknowledge them, like Dustin said earlier. Um, you are going to make mistakes, but again, correct them as fast as you can. And getting the counsel and staff interpersonal relationships are critical. That's for coaching, mentorship, and just, you know, getting a dialogue with other, with other department heads and other staff members is, is happy, is uh, the best way to do it. And maintain that impartiality and work as a team. Make sure that you're creating a team environment. Like for me, it's very important to create a, a team environment where um, you're not top down. Like I do not operate top down. I make sure I share. If there's not something that's personnel related, I make sure that, you know, as Jamie said, you get stuck in a lot of meetings as your finance director. I make sure I come out and, and keep my staff in the loop. I have weekly meetings with them and, and I'm approachable. If anything's going on that's going to affect them, I tell them when it happens. And empower the governing body to make decisions. Sometimes they're going to make the wrong decision. You're there to educate them. They can override you at any time. Um, but again, give them the right information. But but don't don't. And I you know I think we've all made this mistake. Don't talk down to them. Don't condescend them if they don't agree with you. Uh, they make the decision. And again, these are the links here at the end of the page for good resources that are out there. Great, lots of material in there, and I encourage everyone to take a look at the other slides uh, and the examples that. Uh, Robert provided here as well as these uh, useful uh, resource links. Uh, so one of the things we want to do is uh, see how this advice resonates for you. Uh, so we have a polling question about that. And uh, Robert offered uh, many different points. Uh, I've just summarized a few here in this polling question. I invite you to, to take a look um, and and to click off as many as points of uh, advice as you think would be useful to you in your efforts. Um, people are asking about a, a number of different topics here, and I'm going to actually at this point call in all of our um, uh, presenters here, come back onto the, onto the uh, webcams and come off of your uh, mutes, and we're going to be covering a couple of these. Uh, one is, um, a question that came up of, you know, how if somebody's come up the accounting side, but they haven't done the budgeting. Uh, maybe a couple of quick thoughts here from uh, Jamie or uh, from Dustin about uh, what would you do in uh, trying to cover an area that you haven't covered before? What would are some quick resources to try to fill in gaps? Yeah, I mean, I thankfully had accounting and budget experience, but if you don't have the budget experience, I would recommend if you have a budget officer, whoever's doing your budget, talk with them, sit down with them, you know, go over the process with them so you can get understanding from the expert who has done it to help increase your knowledge throughout the process. I would agree there. I didn't have a ton of budget experience uh, when I took this position, certainly not at the at the city level. Um, I did in, in other organizations, and I, I think this kind of gets back to my first point of 
know your skill set and use those as sort of a foundation. There are fundamental things uh, that you've done in your career uh, that will help you uh, in, in sort of learning the nuances of, of budgeting, which, you know, if you have that foundation, you'll be able to build on it and learning the nuances will, will you know, come with time. Don, I think you're muted. I can't hear you, Don. Don. <laughs> Don, we can't hear you. Ah, oh, sorry. Yes. Um, there we go. There you are. Thank you. Uh, appreciate that. Um, so we'd like to get your response on these polling questions here with regard to, um, you know, what value you got out of today's session. Click off as many of these as uh, were useful to you or your agency and you're thinking about a finance director role. These are the kinds of things we were hoping that you would gain as benefits out of today's uh, session and discussion. While that's up there and going on, um, uh, any uh, suggestions that people have about uh, how to prepare your direct reports? Uh, some people are asking, um, you know, do you have development plans with your direct reports? Uh, maybe take this one back to Jamie. You were describing how you wanted to move out of doing and to being more of a leader, and you've got a pretty hefty staff. Uh, how are you uh, and how are they working take responsibility for developing their careers and taking some of that load off of you? I think one thing which I mentioned is we have work plans in the city, so I establish for all of my direct reports what their work plan is. So I work with them, but if there's projects I want them to be responsible for throughout the year, you know, what are those goals and objectives I want them to achieve throughout the year? And I put that in their work plan. We meet monthly and um, we quarterly will go over the work plan, check in, what's their progress towards achieving those goals. And then just also, I think the key thing is something comes your way, you're so busy, don't be afraid to give those tasks to your staff and empower them, you know, help them grow their knowledge. So give them things, maybe prepare the budget presentation for you so then they're getting that experience in those types of opportunities. Great. Uh, and as you can see, people were very uh, appreciative of the many areas of uh, emphasis and discussion that came out of today's uh, session. There are lots of additional resources. Um, there is a webinar that I would highlight to you, Essential Steps in a New Finance Director Role from last year. It's still very relevant. Uh, these are things that every uh, finance director coming into a new position should think about doing, uh, whether that's for the first time or it's a, a second or third a finance director role. Uh, there are critical things, you know, get on top of the cash, get on top of critical uh, topics. That webinar does a wonderful job of addressing those and encourage you to take a look at it, as well as the other resources that are available. Some of you had sent in a note saying, hey, you know, if I don't know, if I'm the only CPA or we don't have a CPA, how do we stay on top of things like GASB? Uh, we've got an upcoming webinar on that topic. Encourage you to take a look at, at it. Coming up on June 20th, we have David Bean, uh, the national expert on this topic, uh, sharing his insights with you around that topic. 
So I know we're at the time here, but I'd like to just turn in order of our presenters here for a closing word or a short phrase that you'd like people to remember out of today's session. We'll start with you, Jamie, and Dustin, and then Robert. Yeah, thanks, Don. Um, really, I just think don't be afraid. You know, you can do it. Just believe in yourself. It may seem like a lot of work. Take it day by day. Rely on your staff. Rely on others. And just remember to communicate. Thanks. That's Jamie Bascarina from Thousand Oaks. Thank you very much. Dustin Clausen from Hayward. Be yourself and be confident. Okay, great. And Robert Hamoud from uh, Walmy, Washington. Can't hear you, Robert. You're on mute. Uh, make sure you're friendly and approachable and uh, try to maintain a good work life and uh, balance. Great. And uh, this is Don Mariska, uh, Director of the CSMFO Coaching Program, thanking you all for being with us here today. Thanking you uh, for your work in local government finance and encouraging all of you uh, to move forward in your careers and, and thrive and achieve as much as you can. And hopefully the finance director role will be one for you. And if it is, CSMFO is here to help you be successful. Thanks so much and enjoy a great day. Thank you.